Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Barrett, and welcome to Hope of Glory. Teaching and growing together through the Bible. This is Hope of Glory with Pastor Mark Barrett. Thank you for joining us today on Hope of Glory. All of us have made the comment, time sure flies, but actually, we all have the same amount of minutes in the day and months of the year. The difference between any of us is how we use the time given to us. Today, we'll learn about God's view of time and how to use it wisely. Let's listen to God's Word. Amen. Take your Bibles and join me in the Scriptures today. Uh, we're going to start in Ephesians, and so you can take your Bibles and let's begin there this morning. I have only just a minute, just 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. How would you feel if you spent the next two years making phone calls to people who weren't home? Sounds absurd, doesn't it? According to one time management study, that's how much time the average person, you and I, spend trying to return phone calls to people who are never home. Well, how does that make you feel? Time well spent, right? Not only that, but we spend six months waiting for the traffic light to turn green. Some of us do. Another eight months reading junk mail makes us stop and wonder what other kinds of ways we might be spending our time wasting, really, doesn't it? It's enlightening as you go through Scripture to realize that God places a high value on time. And, and, he, and when you look through the Scriptures, you come to realize that, that not only is God interested in time, but that Everything God does has to do with time. As far back as creation itself, God calculated six days when he would create the universe, and then the Bible says he rested on the seventh. That tells me that God set some kind of a agenda, some kind of a time limit on himself. If you're in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, God tells us, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the time had fully come, God had a time. He set a time when the son was going to come to this earth. Even before all the universe was created, God said, this is the time 
when I'm going to prepare for my son to enter into the earth. This all began, of course, back in the book of Genesis. Uh, take your Bibles, turn there with me to chapter 3 and, and verse 15. Uh, it's, it's in a prophecy that God gave. In verse 15, uh, he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, now he's speaking when, of course, Jesus would come into this world. And how he was going to deal a death blow to Satan's power. But, you know, this was in the mind of God even before the universe was created. If you go to the last book of the Bible, in Revelation in chapter 13 and verse 8, it says to us, it proclaims the lamb was slain when? From the foundation of the earth, from the foundation of the world. And in talking about our own salvation, Scripture says in Titus 1-2 that God promised this before time began. You think God is interested in time? God had a timetable in mind for you and I and our redemption. And then just at the right time, the star appeared in the sky and led the Magi to where the Savior, the Messiah, had been born. And at the time that Jesus died, the Bible says that darkness covered the earth. And there are some people who believe that just at that moment, a complete solar eclipse occurred, which accounts for the darkness. Concerning the second coming of Christ, Mark chapter 13 and verse uh, 32 proclaims to us, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. In other words, the Father has a particular time that he has prepared to send his, 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 his Son, Jesus Christ, back to this earth and to begin the new kingdom, to judge the earth. He hasn't revealed that time to anyone. Nobody can tell that time, but the Father knows. He has a particular time in store. The Bible even has something to say about our time here on this earth. If you go back to the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job, chapter 7, and verse 1, he writes, Is there not a time of hard service for man on earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hired man? And even more clearly, he states over in Job chapter 14, verse 5, since his days are determined, talking about man, the number of his months is with you, that is God. You, God, have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. You see, there's a time limit set on our lives. There's a clock that is running, and someday it's going to run out, and we'll have to go home. No one knows when that time is. Nobody can calculate it. Nobody can plan for it. But there's a time limit 
set on all of our lives. So what's my point this morning? My point is that time is important. It's important to God as we've just seen. And so therefore I believe that it ought to be important to us. And therefore we ought to use it to our fullest. The question for us to consider today is how wisely are we using our time? Since none of us here know what the limit of our lives is on earth, are we investing the time that we have on earth, be it today or tomorrow or the next 20 years or more? Are we investing our times in things that are going to make an eternal dividend, that are gonna matter for eternity's sake? Now, if you take your Bibles and go back with me to the book of Ephesians that, that I originally said I was going to start with, sort of deferred from that a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> if you go back there to Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul addresses this issue to the church at Ephesus. And he begins by saying in verse 15, he says, Since then, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. The NASV, the New American Standard Version, says it this way. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. And so, number one, Paul encourages us to use our time wisely. The, the language that Paul uses is actually uh, born out of the uh, commercial vo vocabulary of the marketplace of, the, of his day. The word redeeming comes from a root Greek word, agora, and agora refers to the marketplace. And the idea, he says, is to buy something up for yourself and do it with zeal and enthusiasm. And so when it comes to time, the thought here is to snatch up all of the opportunities that we, that we have available to us and use it wisely. Time is a precious commodity. It's a precious commodity to God, and it is to us. And the investment of our time should be done so carefully and for a worthwhile cause. Uh, but what really interests me is the reason that Paul gives in, uh, in verse 16. Did you notice that? He says, for, for the days are evil. For the days are evil. Isn't that interesting? Ephesus was a, uh, was a commerce city. Um, it, was a, it was a port city. It, it was a city that was... Uh, located on the Caister River, which empties into the uh, Aegean Sea. Uh, because it was an intersection of major trade routes, it, it became also the center of the worship of the Roman goddess Diana. Now, Diana was not a woman, uh, and it was not in the form of a woman, but it was a grotesque, a black-looking configuration of a creature, and, and it was really gross worship, and I don't even want to go into it with you. You'll remember that this was a place where 
Paul got himself into trouble because he started challenging the idol makers of Ephesus and they got angry with him and a riot ensued and he got thrown into jail. That's where this was, this is where this letter was written to. And so the Ephesian church understood the evil environment in which they were living. But that's not just the characteristic of the Ephesians church. That's the characteristic of the kind of world that the church age as a whole, since Christ, uh, since Christ began the church in Acts chapter 2, that's the history of the church age. It's not that we go around saying, man, today was like an evil day, right? Those aren't words that I've ever heard somebody say. But we do say things like, man, I'm having a rough day today. Well, why do we say that? Well, because some troubles have come in. I've had to endure some difficult things. Um, the days are, are evil. We live in an age when, when things can so easily draw us away from practicing godliness and using our time wisely. It's so easy, is it not, to waste our precious time today. It's reported that the average household spends six hours and 47 minutes a day doing what? Watching television. Isn't that astounding? Does that blow your mind? That's, that's almost as much as somebody work a day. People who use social media platforms spend about 153 minutes a day on it, two and a half hours. They figure that in a lifetime on social media, it'll consume six years and eight months of their time. That's really good use of our time, isn't it? One on online source I looked at, and I didn't count because I was working, said that adults can spend up to six hours a day on online devices. Wow, that means that some people spend more time online than they do sleeping. That just blows my mind. Now, am I saying that those things are inherently evil? No, I'm not saying that. Um, because what I am saying is that, is that if there is such a preoccupation with the things of this world and with those things, let me say it this way. If there's such a preoccupation with anything that distracts me from, as a Christian, using my time wisely for the sake of eternity, then it's evil. Contrast Ephesians with what Paul says over in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 3 and verse 2 where he says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. What about what he says over in Philippians chapter four and verse eight? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, 
if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I would suggest to you that anything that preoccupies our mind and that draws us away from Christ can potentially be evil. And the Bible instructs us to take control of our thoughts, control of our minds, control of our bodies, and, and control of our preoccupations, and use our time wisely for the sake of God. Everything that you do, set your mind on things above. Am I saying that we shouldn't have downtime? Am I saying that we shouldn't take a break? Am I saying that we can't surf Facebook once in a while? Am I saying that you can't play a video game? No, I am absolutely not saying that. Even Christ took times to draw away. He took times to rest. He took time to pray. But even our rest ought to be for the purpose of being able to serve Christ better. And so even when we are resting, we need to consider that the things that we are doing in the rest is preparing us and enabling us to think of things above in a better light. Does that make sense? We should also use our time, secondly, purposely. Now, most people today probably don't give a whole lot of consideration to how the decisions they make today are going to affect or impact eternity. And I, th I can think of this in three different ways. Number one, uh, we, should, we should recognize that what we do today impacts eternity. Did you know that? What you do today has an impact on eternity. I'd like, I'd like to uh, draw your attention to the parable that, that we find in, um, in Luke chapter 12. Uh, it's the parable of the rich fool. And this is just a great example of what I'm talking about. Let's begin reading it in verse 16. And then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns, build greater, and there I will store all of my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So here was a, a man with an attitude about life uh, and about what he owned. And his attitude was that what he had and all of his riches were simply for him to enjoy. He said, what is mine is mine. Notice how he talks about my crops and my barns and my grain and my goods. Uh, there were any number of good things that that man could have done with some of what God had provided for him. But what did he do instead? He settled for small ends 
And he decided that he had reached the pinnacle of the goal of his life. He became rich and he decided to retire saying, I'm just going to live out many, many days with what I have. And then the next day he was dead. You see, many, many years were exactly what he could not provide because sufficient possessions don't, care, don't guarantee many years just as fewer possessions wouldn't have meant fewer, fewer years. And no doubt this man's neighbors called him intelligent, but God called him a fool. Who is a fool? A fool is a man who makes decisions about the present and they don't take into consideration the possibilities that God might have something different in the future. Here is a guy who spent his entire life amassing goods and, and now somebody else, perhaps just as foolish as him, falls heir to it all. This is a guy who belongs to a large community of people in our world today. They walk the face of this earth arrogantly talking about my house and my land and my goods and my car and my stuff and my bank account. But just a few years, somebody else will be saying, my house, my land, my goods, my bank account. And the irony is that they'll be talking about the same stuff. And verse 21 is the application of it all. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. How do we become rich toward God? Well, easy. It's by doing the opposite of the, what the rich fool did. It's by being sensitive to the needs and the hurts of people around you, by ministering to them in the name of God and by, by simply stopping and saying to God, God, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do with all of this stuff that you have allowed me to have? Is it wrong to have all that stuff? Absolutely not. It's wrong to disclude God from it. So God, what do you want me to do with it? Not just for my own ease, but what do you want me to do with what you've given to me? And then, and, and then, and then, and, then, and essentially, that's what Jesus told the rich young ruler uh, back in the book of Matthew and, and chapter 19. You remember the story. The, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, uh, what must I do to be saved? And and so he tells him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. In other words, he says, our treasures on earth are fleeting, but our treasures in heaven will last for eternity. And so which one do you think is more valuable? Your stuff here or your stuff there? So that's the first aspect I think about. The second aspect of living a purpose, purposeful life is that we can also impact others for eternity's sake. I love this passage. It's, it's found in 1 uh, first, first Thessalonians 
Turn there with me. It's a great passage. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica, and he's kind of praising them. And, and he says in verse 19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Now listen to this. Take this to heart. Is it not even you? <laughs> you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as his coming, for you are our glory and joy. What is he saying? He's saying, look, I, I didn't do this for riches. I didn't do this to build big houses, mansions, have great cars, camels, whatever the case might have been for him. <laughs> he wasn't working for those things, but he says that when I meet the Lord, and potentially when the Lord says to me, Paul, what have you done with everything I've given to you? He says, I'm going to look around the room and I'm going to say, this is what I've done. Because there will be an, a mass of people that he affected for eternity's sake and they will be his crown. They will be his jewel. I wonder how many people will be standing in heaven around us who we influenced in some way for eternity's sake. How many will we be able to turn and look to and say, Lord, this is what I've done with what you've given to us. That's the second way I think about this. The third way for us to use time purposefully is to be prepared for eternity ourselves. And so the apostle Paul, he writes in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of my salvation. Right now, he says, is the time to prepare where we will spend eternity. Because nobody knows when their time here on earth is finished. Remember Job? He says the time has been set. There's a limit. There's a clock. It's running. And it's running out. We don't know when the end day will be. It could be today. And we need to be prepared before it happens. Because when it happens, it'll be too late. Which leads me to a third thought about the use of our time. Which is that our time is limited. How many of you have heard of the law of supply and demand? You heard of that, right? What does it mean? Basically, it says that when something is in short supply, the demand is high and the price goes up, right? The more scarce something is, the more valuable it is. So you farmers, you get this, don't you? Because if there's a short supply of corn that year, what happens to the corn prices? They go up, right? Because they need it, so you can sell it for more. The, the grain wasn't good that year. There's a short supply of grain. Well, the prices go up because there's a short supply. That, that's why occasionally the, the oil gas makers will turn the spigot off because they want to raise the price of a barrel of oil so they, so they cause more of a demand for it and then the price goes up, right? So the apostle, the apostle uh, James, uh, he talks about this uh, over in the book of James, uh, chapter, uh, 
chapter 4 and verse 14, where he says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor, right, that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Um, a time, a, a time is like fleeting vapor. It's like fog that eventually dissipates. You can't literally grab it. You can't hang on to you to it. You can't multiply it. And, and there's a day. There's a day when there's a certainty about life that there's a day coming when, well, we're all, well, we're all gonna die. The Bible says there's a time set for all of us. And unless Christ comes and raptures us away as Christians, we're gonna die. You can't save time in a bottle. There's no fountain of youth that you can run to. I mean, you can go to a plastic surgeon and make yourself look younger, but you're not really younger. <laughs> you can have some uh, parts replaced every once in a while, you know? You can get yourself a new hip or a new shoulder or, you know, a new heart, new lungs. I mean, they can replace almost anything now, right? It doesn't extend the time of your life. Because God says there's a time set. There's a point that no man can, can pass. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be morbid this morning, um, but I want us to think about time. What will we do with the time that we have left on earth? There are 1.8 deaths per second worldwide. You know what that means? That means that there are over 100 deaths per minute. There are 150 deaths per day. There are over 55 million deaths per year. In the last minute, 100 people died. Some of them had no idea that this would be their last day on earth. Some of them were younger than you. Some of them were older than you. But I wonder if they had have known that today would be the last day that they would spend on planet Earth, whether they would have, had, would have done anything different yesterday. Again, I don't want to be morbid in this subject, but I do want us to, to understand the urgency that we all have of being good stewards of our time. It is so precious, just one minute, 30 30 seconds, 60 seconds in it. Even Jesus himself made the statement in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while what? It is day. The night is coming when, when no one can work. Now, if Jesus, the son of God, realized that he had a limited amount of time here on earth to do God's will, well, I mean, shouldn't we kind of take heart and, and consider what, value our time is making? Today is the day of salvation. Today is a time for godly living. I want to read this quote to you. It was by a great Baptist missionary by the name of Adoniram Judson who, who said that a life once spent is irrevocable. 
It will remain to be contemplated throughout eternity. The same may be said of each day when it is once past, it is gone forever. All the marks which we put upon it, it will exhibit forever. Each day will not only be a witness of our conduct, but will affect our everlasting destiny. How shall we then wish to see each day marked with usefulness? It is too late to mend the days that are past. The future is in our power. Let us then, each morning, resolve to send the day into eternity in such a garb as we shall wish it to wear forever. Isn't that a great line? And at night, let us reflect that one more day is irrevocably gone, indelibly marked. What will this day reveal in eternity for how you spend your time? Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to spend this valuable moment of time in your word. I pray, Lord, that it has not been wasted. We spent time talking about something that potentially could have an impact for eternity. Uh, we spent time meditating on and thinking about something that could impact our lives so that we could live greater for you. And so I pray that you'd help us each moment, each day, to have eternal, impactful days. Things that we do will be marked for eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.